Well, it's so good to be here today. Are you guys excited to be in church? Are you really excited to be in the church today? All right. Say, Pastor, I need a good word today. You better bring it. And I am. You better bring it. But before we start, just want to acknowledge that uh, Frankie found out yesterday that she's having a boy. So, yes. So, the Pereira family wins again. We, they're undefeated. We're 2-0 and right now. So, that's exciting, but we just praise God for that blessing. And I want to just also acknowledge the best dressed in church this morning is Kevin. I love that shirt. Look at him. Just... <laughs> so we're going to get into this word this morning that's going to bless us. It's Isaiah chapter 43, 14 through 19. That's the book of Isaiah chapter 43, beginning at verse 14. <clears throat> And the word of God says this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee to those ships they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel, Creator and King. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. I love what God says here in verse 18. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. Let me say that one more time. For I am about to do something new. How many of you are really wanting God to do a new thing in your life? Come on. Give me a good shout. I am going to do something new. And I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. When old gets tired. How many of you feel tired and old already? When not insanity, I love that. When old gets tired. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for our church family, our church all together, Lord. We pray, Father, that this morning you would bless us with a good word. A word that's going to change our lives, our minds. Father, in a word that's going to bring us encouragement and conviction. And I pray, Father, that you would speak through me now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You guys can be seated as we get into this word. When tired gets old. From the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, God created man and woman. God created marriage between man and a woman. God then created the family. Then the children came. And God's intention for marriage, God's intention for family, was to bless them was to provide for them, was to protect them. And in that moment in the book of Genesis, what you read is that 
God not only created man and woman and child and marriage and family, but God also created free will. You see, God in the garden put a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And people ask me all the time, well, Pastor, why is it that God put evil there? Why why did God allow that? If the evil tree wasn't there, we would never have fallen into sin and we'd all still be living perfect lives. Why did God allow the evil to be in that tree? Why did God even allow Satan to be in the garden? Couldn't God have just prevented that and therefore we all would have lived perfect lives? And that is so true, but the reality is that if God would have done that, we would not have had free will. The power to choose. And see, if God would have done that, then it would have been forced love. It would have been a forced commitment to God because there would be no other choice. So God put in the evil in that tree and allowed Satan onto that garden so that we would have the free will to either love God or not. And Adam and Eve had the choice. And they chose to disobey, and therefore sin came into the world. And as you read throughout the entire Bible, up to this very moment in our present life, sin has been our downfall. And sin occurs when you choose to do it. And understand something about this life that we live in. Every day of our lives, we are confronted with choices. Did you know that there are 30, average of 35,000 choices are made every day? You may not even realize this, but every day that you wake up, you are made with 335,000 choices. That's 35,000 choices. You choose. You choose what you're going to eat. You choose what you're going to watch. You choose what you're going to drive, how you're going to drive. You choose what you're going to hear. You have a choice in the friends that you keep, the friends that you decide to have. You choose who you date. And that moment of dating is to really find out, am I going to choose to marry this person or not? So when you see the red flags, it's your choice whether you're going to just ignore them or not. You choose who you marry. You can't choose your children, but you can choose how you're going to raise them. You choose the words that you're going to speak. Every day of your life, You're averaging 35,000 choices. That's an average of 20, of 245,000 choices a week. That means that from the time we finished this church service last Sunday till now, you would have made 245,000 choices. Choices have consequences. Amen? Good or bad. And here's the thing about choices and free will. We often think we make choices. But you don't realize that not only do we make choices, 
But choices make us. Choices make us. You choose what to eat. And if you choose to eat garbage, it's going that choice that is going to make you. It's going to make you fat. You choose what you're going to watch. And when you watch a depressing movie, that movie's going to make you sad and depressed. You choose what you're going to listen to. And if you listen to garbage and you listen to gossip, it's going to make you bitter and angry towards the person that you were talking about. Your choices are not just something you're making. Your choices are making you. Your choices can make your marriage better or worse. Your choices can make you succeed or fail. Choices are not just made. Choices are also something that make you. Choices are not just something you do. It's a common prideful arrogant statement. It's my life, therefore I do what I want. It's my choice. It's my body, therefore it's my choice. But here's the reality of choices. Not only are you making the choices, but the choices are making you. And the choices that you're making are also affecting others. And some of you are here this morning, and you could agree that you're hurt, and you're sad, or you have been marked by the choices of someone in your past. Whether it might be your parents, or a spouse, or an ex, or a friend, or even a pastor, you are hurt by someone else's choice. Your choices not only affect others, your choices influence God. Your choices, actually, God looks at your life and God can bless or not bless. And God can do things in your life according to the choices that you make. But you want to know the biggest concept about choices that should put the fear of God in you? Choices even have eternal consequences. You choose this morning, you choose today, you choose in this lifetime here on earth that you're not going to you know, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's not for me. I'm, I'm going to choose to get away from that. I don't believe in that. I, I don't think that's real. I don't need Jesus. And you make the choice to deny Him and leave Him and forsake Him. And that has eternal consequences when you die without Jesus. In fact, hell is a choice. A choice you make. When we're in heaven and God is giving us our rewards, those rewards are given based on the choices you've made. So when I'm in heaven and you see me in my mansion, you're going to say, Pastor David, you have that because of the choices you made. But if I see you in a hut, you're in heaven. But I'm going to know exactly why you're in that little corner in the hut. Choices have eternal consequences. You see, and in the scripture, 
that we read in Isaiah, God is talking to the people of Israel, God's children. But I want you to understand something about this. Even the children of God, even us here today, we don't always choose right. Amen? You look back at your life and you say, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20. Here's how impactful your choices are. Today, God says, I have given you the choice. And here's the choice. You know that you're facing a life and death situation? Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. That's a life and death situation. Your life and death situation is your choices you're going to make. Today, I have given you choice between life and death. Between what? Blessings and curses. Now, he says, now, not later, now. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. You make the choice. Oh, God says, oh, that you would choose life so that you and, here's the takeaway, you and your what? Descendants, because your choices affect even the future generation after you. Shouldn't that frighten you? That your choices are not only making you, but your choices are making your descendants? That you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. How? By loving the Lord your God. Obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, God is saying here, your choices make you. And I can either bless you or curse you. Your choices not only affect you, your choices affect the future generation you call your family. Your choices matter. And see, when God is behind your choice, when you sit here and say, Lord, I choose life. When you're saying, Lord, I'm going to choose to do it your way. You are saying, God, I am committed to this word and I will obey it. When you say, Lord, I choose you. You're saying, Lord, I'm going to stand firmly in your word. When you say, God, I choose you, you're saying, Lord, I will love you and be fully committed to you no matter what happens in my life. When you choose God, God says, and I will choose to bless you. It's a choice. And God says, you make it. It's a choice. To obey and be committed to the Lord. And when you choose God, all those 35,000 choices you make in a day, 
the 245,000 choices you make in a week, all of those choices should be influenced by the Word of God. So therefore, you're saying, God, I'm making all these choices today, but if I'm choosing God this morning, I'm going to make sure that what I wear honors you. I'm not going to wear anything so tight and so revealing that it's going to cause other men to stumble. And Lord, if I'm choosing you today, I'm going to choose what I watch, and I'm going to make sure that everything I watch honors you. And I'm going to choose what I listen to. So when I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm looking through my playlist, I'm going to make sure that the music I listen to doesn't even say anything that contradicts your word. And when I go to work, I'm going to make sure that everything I listen to is not garbage or filth. So I'm not going to sit there and laugh at the dirty jokes with all the other men at my job. I'm not going to sit here and gossip with all the other women in my job. Everything that I hear is going to honor you, Lord. And Lord, every word that I speak, because I choose you today, I'm going to make sure that profanity is not coming out of my mouth. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to curse anyone out. I'm going to make sure that the words that I speak build each other up. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to lie. Tell a little light, a white lie. I'm going to make sure that all the gossip and slander is not going to come from me. I'm going to make sure that everything I say is going to bring honor to you and everyone I speak to. I'm going to choose wisely who I have relationships with. And if I see a friend or someone that I know is going to bring me down, Lord, because I choose you, I'm not going to choose them. We all want God to bless us, but God is not our choice. See, I was listening to an interview with Tom Brady, the GOAT. They asked him, what is it that makes you so successful as a quarterback? You know what Tom said blew me away. The day after my game, I sit in a room by myself and I watch the tape for six hours. Every play, every move I made. I asked myself, what could I have done better? What could I have done different? And I wish every Sunday morning I could sit here and put your tape on during the week. You know the 245,000 choices you make in a week? And I want to review the tape and ask, well, hey, hey, Anthony, uh, what was that? <laughs> hey, Jay, you could have done better with that. Hey, hey, Frankie, whoa, whoa, Frankie, you messed up. You know, we, can you imagine... If you're able to play back the 245,000 choices you made in a week, how much of those choices could you honestly say, yeah, that play, that choice I made, I did that for God? How many? You guys getting it this morning? Israel had a choice. They chose to rebel. To disobey and sin. Throughout the Old Testament, they said, God, we love you. We thank you. We want you there, but we don't want you like they're there. We want to be like the rest of the world. We're going to practice and imitate the rest of the ungodly nations. 
And God, you know, I know your word says not to, but we're going to marry ungodly women because the ungodly women are way hotter than the Israelites here. So we're going to marry ungodly women. We're going to worship ungodly pagan gods. We're going to live in sin, Lord. But when we're in trouble, will you help us still? And time and time again, God said to them, repent. And God would send prophets and like saying, I'm going to send pastors to preach to you to get you back on the right road. But they chose not to listen. They chose to even kill some of them and they chose to do it their way. And finally, God said, I've had enough. And he sent Babylon to go over and capture them and destroy their city. And they took them captive for over 70 years. And in that moment, they realized that their choices had consequences. And at that moment, their families were destroyed. They struggled. Everything was ruined because your choices not only affect you, but they affect others. And not only will they affect you, but they affect the way that God can bless you in your life. And I believe that the reason so many people are destroyed and so many families are divided and broken and so many people are in bondage, it can all stem down to one thing, the choices you are making. And the Israelites, by the time Isaiah starts writing, they're hopeless. They think their lives are over. Have you ever felt that way? That, that you have these choices in your past and because of those choices, you're saying, God could never forgive me. I could never change. From here on out, my life is never going to be better. The best days are behind me, but my choices ruin that. That's why I love what we just read in Isaiah 43. But now look with me again, verse 19. God is speaking to a broken people that made terrible choices. And he says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? God, Isaiah tells the people, God is going to do something new. Don't you see it? See, sometimes our choices can bring such conviction and guilt that we do not, no longer see hope. We no longer see a way out. We no longer see our lives getting better. But that's what makes this verse so beautiful that God sends Isaiah to tell the broken people, God is not done yet. He's going to do something new in your life. For anyone that's ever made a bad choice, God can still bring something new. For anyone that says, my choices have destroyed my life and my family and my future, God can still bring something new. Because when we think about it, we're all searching for something new. Because you're tired of the old. And you're saying, God, I'm just tired of the same old problems. At the same old job. 
coming home to the same old spouse. Living the same old life. And what happens with us is that all of us are searching for new. So we make all of these choices trying to be happy and new because we are deceived into thinking something new is going to make me happy. That's why, Pastor, I need a new relationship because this old one is broken. Maybe if I get a new job, or if I move to a new location, or if I go to a new church, or I buy a new house, or if we get a new car, and maybe if we make all of these choices to upgrade and get newer and newer, maybe that's going to fix everything. But what do you do when what is new begins to feel old? And what is old leads you to feel tired. And when you're tired of it, you just want it to end. And you look for new again. And that's the cycle that all of us in this world are living. New things eventually get old. Old things you get tired. Tired things you just leave behind and you look for new. So that's why everyone's just making choices and choices and choices, trying to fix what's broken. Maybe if I do this and I do that and I go here and I marry this and I do this and I cheese that and I buy this and I do this. And you're making all these 35,000 choices a day, 245,000 choices a week because you're trying to be new. You're trying to fix what's broken. But here's the amazing thing. When God talks to these people who have made bad choices, He's not saying what you need is a new change, a new scenery, a new location, a new house, a new job, a new information. Look at verse 19 with me again. He says, I am about to do something new. Don't you see it? I've already begun. Do you not understand what God is saying here is the solution to your old, tired lives. It's not something new. It's not something exciting. It's not something different. That's how the devil lies to you. When Jesus, when God is talking about Isaiah here, He's saying, I'm doing something new. God was speaking about Jesus. He was telling these people, Jesus can make things new again. It's Jesus. And all the choices that you're making to find love, to find value, to find purpose, God will tell you today, look no further than Jesus. All the all the problems, listen, all the problems and stress and pain of your bad choices could be fixed if you fix your relationship with Jesus. Because maybe some of those bad choices you're making is because you have lost your fear of God. You are far from the Lord and you stop and you don't realize that all the problems you have in your life stem from the problems you have with Jesus. And we try to fix it 
with money. We try to fix it with pleasure. So you say, maybe money can fix it. So if I buy this new thing, maybe that's going to make me happy. But then new gets old and old gets tired and tired has to be exchanged. Well, maybe if I just go after pleasure and pleasure is going to make me feel like a new man. So let me dye my hair and get this, fake this and fake that in my body. And let me buy this new car and paint it red. And let me wear this leather jacket. It's going to make me feel like a new man. And everyone looks at you and says, what a crazy old man. You and your plugs and whatever else you inject in. That's your thing, do you. But let me tell you something, that's not going to make you new. What if the solution to all the bad choices in your life is Jesus? Jesus is walking in John chapter 4. He's walking to a village and he sees a woman. And she's a Samaritan. Samaritans never spoke to Jews. And she's surprised because Jesus comes up to her and sits with her by the well in the middle of the midday sun. And he says, can I have some water? And this woman said, why are you even talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. And as Jesus starts talking to her, Jesus demonstrates to her that he's God by pointing out her business. Jesus says, I know you. Why don't you go and tell your husband to help me get water? And she says, oh, I'm not married. And he goes, oh, I know, because you got five men with you. And she's like, what? Yeah, I know the choices you've been making. You've been sleeping around, going from relationship to relationship. And the Bible doesn't say why. It could have been she was a prostitute and she just needed money, so this woman's making all these bad choices because she needs money, because money's going to make her feel new. It could be because she's lonely, so she's jumping from relationship to relationship and she just wants to feel loved. We don't know why she went from man to man, from relationship from relationship, from bedroom to bedroom. But see, when Jesus looks at her without judgment, he says, grow what you need. It's me. Because I can give you living water where you'll never thirst again. You'll never feel empty again. So Jesus doesn't say, hey, you know what your problem is? Your problem is that you're insecure and you need to feel valued and you need to respect yourself. No, he says what you need is me. And maybe that's what all of us need in our lives. When all of us are making choices and we're doing everything wrong, maybe God is looking at you right now and He's saying, before you fix anything in your life, fix your relationship with Jesus because that's who you need. But what's the problem? Look at verse 19. Verse 19, God says, I'm doing all things new. I'm about to do something new. Hey, I'm about to bring Jesus into the life that has you feeling empty. But notice the question. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? I have an issue. A problem. I don't know if it's a David problem or just a guy problem. 
But I've noticed this since I was a child and I carried on to my marriage. Whenever you would ask me, David, can you go and get me some butter from the fridge? I'm going to tell you, I don't see it. I open the fridge, I'm looking. I don't see it. Nope, it's not here. It's not here. My mom would come to the kitchen upset. It's right there. It's a man thing. It's a man thing. Okay, I feel... Woo! I thought it was me. This week, Jerrica says, can you hand me cinnamon from the pantry? And I'm like, uh-oh. And I open it, and sure enough, I'm like, it's not here. I think we got to buy some. It's there. I don't think so. Look harder. I am. Look harder. It's not here. I'm getting murdered. It's not here. Crazy. She goes to the kitchen just like my mama did. Right there. And I'm like, oh. My mom hates it. But we do it with Jesus. You see, I was so caught up and not seeing the bottle of cinnamon that I was looking everywhere else, mad and frustrated. And that's the sick world we live in. Jesus is right in front of you and He's saying, I'm right here. If you would just come to me, but you're so frustrated and angry and upset and discouraged and depressed and yada, 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 because you're looking everywhere else but me, I'm right in front of you. So you sit down. Yeah, it's true. God is right in front of us. So we sit here and say, God, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. That's it. I need a new, a new wife. I need a new husband. I need a new job. I need this. I need new kids. I need this. And you're going around the pantry. And God says, what you really need is me. I'm right in front of you. You just don't see it. And what if Jesus says, I'm right here. In fact, it's what he says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, I'll give you rest. Jesus comes into a town. He looks around and he sees people that are tired of the old. He was talking about the old way of serving God. He's talking about all the people that are burdened by religion and the old ways and their old life. They're tired of their old life. They're tired. And Jesus says, come to me. But I want you to notice this is an invitation. A choice that you have to make. Are you going to come to Jesus or not? If you're tired, if you're burdened, you're looking at the pantry of your life for everything that's going to make you happy. Maybe Jesus is a cinnamon bottle. He's right in front of you. He's right there, but you don't see it. And when you do, He says, I'm going to make all things new again. You don't need a new this or a new that. You just need me. Come to me. Let's work on that anger. Come to me. Let's work on that lust. Come to me. Let's let's really work on that bitterness. Come to me. Let me help you so that you can see that you are new again. 
As I read Isaiah, I said to myself, Lord, what happened? What went wrong to the people of Israel? Why did they just get up one day and said, I think we're going to make a bad choice, kids. I think we're going to just stop obeying God. Honey, I think today we're going to make this choice to destroy our lives, and let's just be in bondage forever. Uh, honey, I think it's time for us to abandon God. I think, you know what, I, I'm just going to, no young person that time to, I'm just going to get up today, this morning, I, I think I'm just going to go marry an ungodly pagan woman. I, I think I'm going to sacrifice my children to the fire. I, I think I'm just going to leave God. No one did that, so I said, Lord, what happened that got them? to make such bad choices. If you're tired of the old, tired of people, tired of your life, tired of the job, tired of everything that's going on, there is a phrase in the Bible that I found that churches don't preach. We preached, oh, you're tired in your life. You're tired in your marriage. You're tired of your problem. You're tired. I get that. But let me point something out that the Holy Spirit led me to this in Isaiah 43 that might be the problem all of us have. Can I do that this morning? God tells us where it went wrong. Look at verse 22. But dear family, of Jacob. He's saying, dear family, my children, me, my family, dear family, you refuse to ask for help. And here's a phrase. You have grown tired of me. Never have I ever seen that till now. God said to the people, you want to know where you went wrong? You got tired of me. You've grown tired of me. You see, maybe some of the bad choices you're making, you don't even realize. You might be tired of life. You might be tired of the problems. You might be tired of your spouse, your kid, whatever. But stop and think for a minute and say, could it be? That the real problem is that I've grown tired of God and not even know it. And you might think, oh, Pastor, I can't, that's not me. Because look, I'm in church. I'm here praying. I'm here listening. I'm here every Sunday or every other Sunday. I'm here and I'm worshiping. There's no way. I'm not tired of God. I can't be. Maybe that's the real problem in your life. Can you see it? God says, you've grown tired of me. So the people that started abandoning God, disobeying God, marrying pagan women, sacrificing their children to the fire, living in sin and immorality, those are the people, God says, the reason you fell into those choices is because you grew tired. But notice that God says, you grew tired. He didn't just say, oh, you just got tired. You grew into it. It started off small and it grew and there came a point you were tired of me. It started off small. 
you got tired of me. And when you get tired of God, bad choices are ahead. And no one gets up and says, I'm just going to stop going to church. I'm just going to stop reading the Bible. I'm just not going to believe in God anymore. They grew tired. Can I help you to see if you've grown tired of God and not even know it? I'm going to help you. Look at verse 22 through 24. Dear family, you refuse to ask me for help. You've grown tired of me. Oh, Israel, you've not brought me sheep or goats or burnt offerings. You have not honored me with sacrifices, though I have not burdened and wearied you with requests for grain offerings and frankincense. You've not brought me fragrant or that are displeasing to me with the fat of your sacrifices. Instead, you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your faults. You know God gets tired of our faults? He says, you have wearied me. People that preach God never gets tired. And He does. It's right there. You have wearied me. What if God is looking at you right now and He's saying, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of the way you're living. I'm tired of the choices you're making. How is it that we get tired of God? He says it. One, He says you don't ask for help. What is that? That's pride. Self-sufficiency. I can do it on my own. I don't need God. I got this. It's my own strength, my own will, my own wisdom. I can fix this. I can do it. I can change it. And you no longer seek God for His wisdom. You no longer seek God for His grace and His strength. And you don't get up and on your knees and say, Lord, I need you. You walk around with this arrogant, cocky attitude as though you're in charge. That's the first thing that happened. They did not ask God for help that they felt they didn't need any help. Prideful people don't think they're wrong. They don't think they're in any, they don't have faults. Everyone else is the problem. Everyone else is wrong. And they walk around through life with their heads out and their heads high saying, I don't need any help. I got this. That's how they started acting. That's a sign that you're getting tired of God. But it grew. So what did it grow into? Once they got that pride that they didn't need God's help, that they can do it, all of a sudden they stopped giving sacrifices to the Lord. Did you guys catch that? And a sacrifice is where you would go to ask God for forgiveness. But if you're prideful, you're not going to admit God that you need forgiveness because I'm not wrong. You went and gave grain offering as a way of saying, God, I love you, and you would worship him. But it grew to a point where they did not even want to worship God anymore. They grew tired of bringing the sacrifices and tired of praying and tired of worshiping. It's the same idea if you're saying, man, I'm tired of praying in the morning. I think I'm going to take a break. I'm tired of reading the Bible. I'm tired. 
of the things of God. I'm tired. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm tired. I'll go every other week. I'm tired. I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to Bible study. I'm tired. And you make up all these excuses and neglect the gathering of believers, as Hebrews says, because what happens is the people of God no longer had sacrifice and worship as a priority. You know you're getting tired of God when He's not a priority in your life anymore. That's why people just slowly drift from church. They drift from the Word of God. And they get tired of the things of God. You can swipe all day on a screen, but you can't swipe one page of the Bible. You can sit for hours watching garbage on your favorite streaming service, but you can't sit 30 minutes in the Word of God. You can sit in a church service and think about lunch and laundry and everything I got going on, and I hope the pastor finished. If you're looking at your watch right now, you're tired of God. Because you don't want to look at your watch when you're in the movie theater. You don't look at your watch when you're in the club. You don't look at your watch when you're in the world. You don't even know you're tired of God. You put in your headphone, you listen to garbage, you're there, yeah. And then when when worship comes, there you are. Tired. (laughs) Sorry, I thought you had to see that. Tired. You don't realize. They got prideful. They neglected the sacrifices. And God says, oh, and on top of that, you've burdened me with your sin. When you're tired of God, it's so much easier for you to just fall in sin. Live in sin, accept sin, justify sin. Oh, I know it's it's wrong, but God will forgive me. Oh, it's not that serious. You're tired of God because look at your life. There's hidden sin. I wonder how many of us today are tired of God and not even know it. The church doesn't preach that. God says, I'm, I'm, I'm weary of your faults. I'm weary. I'm tired of your choices. You say, well, Pastor, what's the, I know the problem. Yeah, you're right. I'm making bad choices because I'm I'm just tired of God. I'm not, I'm not really seeking Him. I'm not really asking Him for His help. I'm, I'm doing it on my own. I'm, I'm not prioritizing the Lord. I'm living in sin. What do I do? Let me close with this. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Jesus said. And I'll give you rest. Jesus is looking at all these tired people, tired of the old, wanting something new. Jesus says, come to me. What if that's the solution? What if that's your cinnamon bar? Saying, I'm right in front of you. And God, you know what I love about God? He, he looks at them and he says, you're, you're tired of me. 
You're tired of it. What if God looks at you, your life and He's going to look at you this week at the 35,000 choices. I'm sorry, the 245,000 choices. Or He's going to look at you today at the 35,000 choices. And He's going to say, all of these choices you're making is because you've grown tired of me. But Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary. In Psalm 51.10, David committed this terrible sin. It was one of the worst choices he'd ever made. It's a choice that marked him for life because of all the sins David committed. This is the one we always talk about in the church. And it was his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And when he was confronted with his sin, he let he did not have pride and say, oh, I, I'm not, not hey, it takes two. It was her fault. If she didn't wear that, if she wasn't naked in front of my window, if I didn't have this property right in front of her, maybe no, he didn't make no excuses. He said, Lord, I've sinned against you. But notice what he says here. Create in me a clean heart and renew a loyal spirit within me. David didn't pray, you know, God, what I need is a new job. I'm tired of being king. And maybe if I wasn't king and I had all the stress, I would not have run to that woman. So, Lord, I just need a new job and maybe I'll be a better Christian. Uh, Lord, maybe what I need is a new wife because, Lord, have you ever thought, why did I even run to Bathsheba? Maybe it's because I'm tired of my old wife. Lord, I'm just tired. That's why I did it. Lord, I'm just hurt. That's why I did it. Lord, I'm just bored. That's why I did it. He didn't say any of that. He said, Lord, I sinned against you. And he says, and Lord, what I need is for you to renew my loyalty to you. He said, Lord, the reason I did what I did is because the real problem is me and you. I don't have a, my loyalty has been missing. The problem was his relationship with God. And maybe that's the problem with everything you have in your life. The sin in your life, the problems, the burden you have. Maybe the real problem in your life is the problem you have with your relationship with Jesus. But I love what God said in Isaiah in verse 18 and 19. He tells the people, forget all that. Can we give God praise for that phrase? He said, forget all that. God knew that the people got tired of him. God knew that the people were prideful, living in sin, no longer worshiping. And God said, forget all that. And run to Jesus who makes all things every head bowed and every eye closed. Take a moment to sit there and think about the 245,000 choices you've made this week alone. The 35,000 choices you're going to make today. Do the choices of your life reflect loyalty to God? Or not? Are your choices hurting you and others? Or even God? Today there's a cinnamon bottle right in front of you. His name is Jesus. And he's saying, stop looking everywhere else to fix the problem. Stop looking at what you don't have in the old and what you need is new this and new that. God says what you need 
is me. Your problem is me. You've grown tired of me. Church, as an act of faith and boldness and confession, if today the Holy Spirit just poked you with conviction and says, you're tired of me, I want to tell you that God is still madly in love with you. And He still wants to do a new thing in your life. And if that's you today, you're saying, Pastor, I didn't even know I got tired. I got tired of God. Would you put that hand up? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you there all around the room. I see you. I see you as well. Let's all stand to our feet today. I want to pray with all of us. You are a small group today. Right where you're at today, would you just pray this from your heart? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Say, Lord, help me to make that choice. And would you tell the Lord right now? He already knows, but will you tell the Lord right now where better choices have to be made in your life? Is it in the areas of your mouth, your ears, your eyes? Is it in the area of your spiritual walk with the Lord? What I really pray today, church, is that you would say, Pastor, when this church service is over, I'm going to be faced with 35,000 choices. I'm already halfway there. But this week, I'm going to be faced with 245,000 choices. And I'm going to pray for the Lord to help me. I'm not going to have pride anymore. I need the Lord. And with all the choices I have to make this week, I'm going to make sure that the Lord is a priority. I'm not going to neglect worship. I'm not going to neglect the word. I'm not going to neglect prayer. And I'm going to make sure this week that that sin no longer will control my life. Would you surrender today your choices to Jesus who is right in front of you but you don't see him? Father, in Jesus' name, Help us to get right with you. We have grown tired of you and not even know it. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us for the choices that do not honor you. And as we choose you, Father, may you be the influence of all of our daily choices this week. Help us not to have pride and understand that we need you desperately. Help us to prioritize our time with you daily in prayer and scriptures. Father, give us the strength that we need to overcome the sin in our lives. Renew a loyal spirit within us, Lord. Bless us this week to make better choices. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God, come on, give God some praise today. You guys can have a seat right where you're at. I just want to thank you guys for joining us this week. I hope you guys were blessed by that series, not series, that teaching. When tired, when you're old and tired, when tired gets old, that's what I named it, right? When tired gets old. Oh, so I pray today that as you get up and leave this church service, 
You're going to be facing 35,000 choices today, 35,000 choices tomorrow, 245,000 choices all week. And when you have a choice to make, ask yourself this choice that I'm about to make. Does it honor God? Does it honor His words? Because when you choose God, when you choose to do it His way in obedience, God promises that you have also chosen blessings. So how many of you say, Pastor, I need God to bless my life, bless my marriage, bless my children, bless my future, bless everything around me. If that's you, would you give God a shout of praise right now? You're saying, Pastor, I want praise. The choice, but God says it. The choice is yours. I have given you a choice. 